All right, guys, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. You can put down the ground. You're fine. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to level with y'all. Genesis chapter 1 is rich. And for us to try to cover the whole thing in one night, that is a large, large order for us to try to accomplish. I will tell you, though, the book of Genesis is my favorite book of the Bible. I feel like it's changed over the years, but Genesis has stayed strong. I love it. It's full of some good stuff. And this part we're looking at tonight covers the creation story, which is where God created the world in seven days. And I'm going to level with you. I'm going to shoot you straight. Most people outside of this room right here who are outside of the church walls do not believe that there's an author or a creator of the universe. They don't believe that it, it, it happened through a creator. They believe that it was just a, 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 a random act, an accident. And they would lean into different things with, with, with their philosophy that would maybe back it up. But I'm telling you right now, science points to the fact that creation is a real thing. And so if you're taking notes me tonight, here's the first one I want you to realize. In Genesis chapter one, we're gonna be in verses 26, 27, and 28. Genesis chapter one, verse 26, 27, and 28. There are seven days where God goes to create all things that we see. And y'all walked through a lot of this in your life groups this past Sunday, correct? Y'all talked about this already? So I'm not gonna try to cover it long, but I'm gonna get to it. God created the whole world in six days. And each day he would create new things and adding them to the universe. And then finally gets to day six and he creates mankind. Yeah, that's right. And so here's the deal. I want to show you all the passage where God created mankind. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Let's look at it together. Genesis one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image or in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. That's big. This is big right here. God chose to create, God chose to put his image in mankind. Adam and Eve from the very beginning. In the image of God, he created him male and female. There's so much I want to dive into this one spot, but if you're taking notes, there's one big overarching theme from verses 26 and 27. It is this, God has called you to number one, reflect God's character. To reflect God's character. What does that mean? In the beginning, when God created everything, there's, there's really a couple things we see in the creation story. Creation was very much real. In seven days, I believe, from what we see in Scripture and from what I've learned in science, there was a real moment when the creator of the universe created the things that we have today. We've been talking about it with Kevin Dormer on Sunday mornings, and so we've been talking to apologetics of why we can trust that to be true, and so I'm not going to stay here for a long time because we've talked about it a lot on Sunday mornings. But what I want you to see is that there was an order to God's creation. He didn't create the fish on day two and then create the sea on day five, okay? That would be rank on the earth without any water for these fish to be in, right? It would smell like a middle school cabin at Camp Ocoee, all right? Amen. It would be bad. 
God had order in how he was fashioning and creating the world. And the creation narrative was real. It really happened. God really spoke the earth, the creation of the galaxies, the stars, the sun, the moon, the creatures into existence. Creation was real. Number two, creation was also really awesome. Creation is incredible. I have traveled all over the world. Now, I'm not, I'm not this big travel guru, but the places I've been, I can tell you that God's creation is amazing. I've seen the stars in Tipton County, and I'll be honest, I felt like the stars looked really cool there, but it wasn't until whenever I went to Yellowstone National Park. Can we pull the lights down real quick? I went to Yellowstone National Park. I'm not kidding. At midnight, I was in the car with my sister. Where's Amanda? Is she in the room tonight? Amanda's right here. I was in the car with my sister, Amanda, and my brother-in-law, and the whole family, and they're all asleep. It's like 1130 at night. We're driving through Yellowstone, and we look up. I turn the car off. We get outside. We look up, and I'm not kidding. As we look to the sky, this genuinely, I'm not exaggerating, this is what the sky looked like. It looked like there was this huge cluster of stars that were right through the middle that I don't know if it's called, I don't know if that's the Milky Way or if that's just someone spilled milk in the sky. I don't know, but it looked crazy. I literally was getting out of the car. I was like, this is insane. I've never seen the galaxy like this before in my entire life. I went to Vietnam. I spent, a, I spent two weeks in Vietnam. We were teaching um, people there English as a second language, hoping to share the gospel with them. And I remember they took me into this place called Ha Long Bay. And I'm gonna show you this picture. And there are literally just mountain islands shooting out of the water. And what I thought to myself was this, shh, go with me, go with me. This is beautiful. It's incredible. I went to Colombia. I went on a mission trip there one time. And whenever I was there, we got to go to this little zoo spot and check it out. And so when I went, I looked at this new zoo spot and they gave me this backpack of an animal called a sloth. I know, isn't it adorable? Like, look at his little eyes and he's hugging you. It was awesome. I was thinking to myself, as his real slow claw moves over and grabs you, I was thinking, animals are amazing, are they not? And I'm not even a dog lover. Like, I'm just telling you, yeah, okay, yeah, I love dogs. They're the best. Here's the deal. I'm just trying to convey to you guys that not only was creation real, but whenever he created things, it is incredible as well. Shh. I want you to see how awesome our God is. Like when he created the world, he put his creativity at work with it. But not only is God's creation real and really awesome, but it's also, it was right. And every single day when God created the world, when he was creating the creation around us, he would say at the end of it, it was, that's right. It was good. Because what God was doing was he was creating things that were good. But then finally, and this is kind of the apex to the whole thing. This is the, the climactic moment. This is when creation wasn't just real or really awesome or right, but it became reflective. Because in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, when God created Adam and Eve, he placed his image into them. And it was to reflect God. We were different 
than the lions or the sloths or the fish. We were uniquely different. We were created in the image of God. And I want to show you, do I, have, I think I have a quote real quick from the ESP study, but I'm going to show you this real quick. It says, traditionally, the image, talking about the image of God, has been seen as the capacities that set man apart from the other animals, ways in which humans resemble God, such as in the characteristics of reason, morality, language, a capacity for relationships governed by love and commitment and creativity in all forms of art. One moment. Here's what I'll tell you. There are multiple reasons in this one statement that give us reason to know and understand that we are different than the rest of creation. And it's not to prop me up and make me feel like I'm good about myself. It's to say this, God has placed great value in each and every one of you. When he created you, he was creating you in the hardwiring of his image as well. I say that because here's the deal. Every one of you have been created in the image of God and you haven't just been created in the image, but you've been called to reflect the image of God in your life as well. I've got a picture of one of our middle schoolers here real quick, a little baby picture. I'm going to show you this real quick. That's right. Most don't know who it is. One person in the room does know who it is, and that is Adelaide Fabacher. Come on up, Adelaide. Thank you. She had no idea this was happening. Yes, I contacted your mom without your permission. Adelaide, come on up. Can I use this microphone for her? Is that okay? Here you go. You can use this one. You come a little closer on the side. Adelaide, you, you were an adorable baby. That's adorable. I don't know what that outfit is exactly, but the bonnet is amazing. You got the toboggan bone mill that night, okay? All right, so here's the deal. Your dad's name is Bart, and your mom's name is Crystal, right? And uh, when I think about your personality traits, your personality, all that kind of stuff, I want you to think about your parents and think through what did you get from your mom and what did you get from your dad? Yeah, that's a <laughs> spicy question, right? Yeah. What did you get from your mom? What did you get from that? I'm going to show you a picture of your parents real quick right here, okay? There's Crystal and Bart. I don't know y'all were runners. Y'all were marathon runners? Big time. Not marathons. Half marathons? We did 10K. Okay, 10K. That's hype. That's cool. You get that from your mom or your dad? Both. Both? Oh, <laughs> double whammy. All right, so here we go. Think through a personality trait that you would get from your mom or your dad. Let's start with maybe your, your dad. Uh, I probably get like my discipline and yeah. more order from my dad. Yeah. And then my mom is more like talkative and social, so I probably get that from her. That's good. That's hype. So you can easily trace back characteristics from you that you, you, you have inherited from your parents that are both from your mom and dad that you spent time with, learned from. You, you reflect them in some manner, correct? Yep. Every one of you in this room, just as well, reflect different personality traits of the people that have raised you as well. Like they have placed, like their image is all over you as a person, whether you like it or not, right? Sometimes there may be good things or bad things that you pull out from both your parents, right? At times, same thing for me. Thank you so much, Adelaide. I appreciate your help today. You're the bomb. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I tell you that because here's the deal, guys. Every one of you are a reflection of your parents in some fashion. In the same way, not just of your physical parents, but of your heavenly father, God has placed his image in you as well. And he has called you to reflect 
his character here on this earth. He's called you to be an image bearer of the Most High King. And the question is, how do you do that? How do you reflect God's character in your everyday life? I got a question for you on the board. I'm gonna put it on here. How can you this week, how can you, do we have this on the board for us? Maybe not. How can, there you go. How can you better reflect God's character this week? How can you better reflect God's character this week? If you're taking notes, I want you to take a second. I want you to try to answer that. How can you? Put down an answer. I don't want you to just write down the question. I want you to think through an answer that goes with it. If you're not taking notes, it's okay. I want you to think through it right now. I want you to think through how you can better reflect God's character this week. Parts of his character are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are some of his characters, right? How can you better reflect those this week? Here's my question. Do you just want to hear a message about reflecting God's character, or do you want to do that? Do you want to live that out, right? Y'all don't come to the mix just to hear a message. Y'all want something that's going to change how you live this week, right? An application. Right now, I'm giving you the question. It's on you to decide what is the application. What is the Lord calling you to do this week to begin reflecting his character in a greater way this week? I'm going to let you sit with your answer because I'm not, I'm not trying to pull them out right now. I'm going to let you do your thing. You know, hopefully you know, thinking through this, what are ways you can start doing that right now? Whether it be with your family, whether it be with your school, whether it be with your friends, whether it be at church, how can you better reflect God's character this week? If you don't know where to go, I would encourage you to go here. I would go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. I think was that what it was earlier? The fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, you can go right here. Spend some time looking at this verse, reading through it a couple times, and ask, where in this area of my life am I not living this way, reflecting God's character? Ask it with your parents. Am I this way towards my mom and dad? Do I show love? Do I show joy? Do I show peace? Do I show patience? Do I show kindness to my parents? Do I show goodness to my parents? Do I show faithfulness to my parents, gentleness, self-control, how do I live with them? And then go through this with other relationships and think through how you are reflecting God's character at your school. Like, that, that was a big one for me, right? Like, when I was in school, like, sixth grade year, it was really difficult for me to live for the Lord. I'm just gonna be honest. I didn't care anything about, like, living for the Lord in sixth grade. Seventh grade, I was struggling back and forth between... So I really want to live for Corey or I want to live for the Lord? And I'll be honest, most of the time when I went to school, I picked Corey every single time. I was reflecting Corey all day long. I was not trying to reflect the Lord. It wasn't until my latter part of eighth grade when I started really living for him. And I just challenge you, I don't want you to miss out on the three years that God's got you in middle school to live on mission for the Lord, reflecting God's character and how you speak and how you think and what you do and what you listen to you ought to be honoring the Lord and reflecting God in all of it. That's a tall order. You're not going to be perfect, but that's the goal. That's the target. 
Second thing tonight, if you are taking notes, is this. Not just reflecting God's character, but you've also been called to extend God's kingdom. To extend God's kingdom. I'm going to read for you real quick. Genesis, I'll let you say everything. You can write this down. Extend God's kingdom. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. This is a long one. But it's got one big theme in there that we're going to look at. And God blessed Adam and Eve. That's who's talking about with them. And God blessed Adam and Eve. And God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. There's a couple action statements here. The first one is be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, and have dominion. And what he's telling Adam and Eve in the very beginning is, my mission for you, Adam and Eve, is to fill the earth with more image bearers of God. Like the Lord was in the business of, okay, I've created Adam and Eve in my image. Now I want you to go and spread that across the world to give me glory across the whole world. Fill the earth with more image bearers of God. That is is the goal behind the creation story that we see in the beginning. One moment. God was calling them to fill the earth with his image bearers. And here's what's cool. I'm, I, I, know which, I know like the beginning, it was just Adam and Eve, but I'm telling you right now, that mission has not changed from Genesis all the way to Revelation. When God comes to Abraham and he says to Abraham, I am choosing you to go to a place I'm going to call you to, and I want you to go, and I'm going to multiply your descendants like the sand of the sea and the stars of the heavens. God is in the business of raising up image bearers who reflect his character. Whenever God sends Jonah to go to the people of Nineveh, he wasn't just doing that as a charity case. He was doing it to raise up a people group in Nineveh who would reflect God's character. When God sent Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego to go to the land where the Babylonians were, he wasn't just doing that to, to flex against Nebuchadnezzar. Like He was doing it to show him that there's a real true God who is wanting to raise up people who will follow him. When you get to Jesus in the New Testament, the mission behind Matthew 28, 18 through 21, he says, go and make disciples baptizing them in the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is telling them, I want you to take the good news of the gospel that has changed your life. I want you to take it to the nations and tell other people so that they might be able to follow Jesus and reflect my character all over. Not just in Memphis, Tennessee, but all over the world. When you get to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the early church has been called not to just sit still, but they've been called to go and share the good news of the gospel so that other people might become reflections, image bearers of the one true king. And it's not just here for our, our earthly side of time. It's also for eternity. When we get to Revelation chapter 7, he says, All nations will be in the throne room, bowing down before the good king of kings, lord of lords, Jesus himself. Why? Because the kingdom, one day, the kingdom of heaven will be experienced because of what has happened here on this earth. 
And God is in the business, not just of raising up image bearers, but he's in the business of extending his kingdom by filling up the world with more people who will reflect his character. And the cool part is that he's invited every one of us, not just invited, he's commissioned you. He's called you. He's called you to be a part of engaging the world around you and inviting them to follow Jesus. How do you do that? How do I, how do I get in the mission? How do I enlist, put my name on the thing and say, I'm in, like, what do I need to do? This is the play-by-play of how you extend the kingdom of God. Number one, this is it, share. People around the world have got to be able to hear the good news of the gospel. You have been called as an image bearer to, ref- to ask people if they want to follow Jesus as well. I think about, is there a young lady in the front here who has been, who is comfortable telling their story, who got saved some point in the last few years, anybody, right here in this area, there's a bunch of girls right here. Come on up real quick, come on. Can you take 60 seconds and share with the crowd real quick how you got saved and what Jesus did in your life? Um, I didn't really go to church and then my friends started like asking me to come with them, so I started coming with them, and then um, the Lord really laid it upon my heart to, like, just offer my life to Him, and it really just changed my life and how I acted and, like, every, pretty much every aspect, and I got involved in, like, a better friend group and stuff, and through that, I eventually surrendered to ministry, um, which really has changed my life a lot. That's cool. That's so cool. All right, I'm, I'm asking one more thing. Last thing. Sorry, I'm asking you a couple things. If you were to share your story and they said, that's really cool. What, what, what do you mean Jesus changed your life? What would you say to that right there? Um, I, like, was very involved with, like, really bad things. And I was going down a really, really bad path. And basically how Jesus changed my life was I just, like, I found a better group of friends to hang out with. And, like, my mental health wasn't good either. So yeah. that changed a huge amount. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. I appreciate you sharing. That's big time. Thank you for You can put it up right there. It's fine. Thank you. You realize sharing your story is so simple. It's talking about what the Lord has done in your life. And typically, whenever I share my story, if they want to know more, ask more questions, if they're a person who's, who's still um, engaged with the conversation, then I would try to get to a spot where I'll say, well, listen, can I tell you how it changed my life? Man, whenever I was seven years old, I didn't know everything about following the Lord, but I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed Jesus. So I decided in that very moment to trust the Lord for salvation. He's changed my life ever since. That's whenever I got saved. Would you like to experience the same exact thing today? And I would walk him through a prayer, saying, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And today I want to trust you as the Lord of my life. That's what I would do with somebody. And that's what the Lord has called each one of us to do. And each one of y'all, if, you're, if you look right here, look right here. Some of y'all doubt me right here. Y'all doubt when I say share the gospel, share with someone your story, you think, yeah, maybe someone else could, but not me. And I'm here to tell you right now, you can. You can. Not because you're really eloquent with words and you're funny and you're charismatic. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can because God has called you to and he will not call you to do something that he will not give you the strength, the words, or the ability to do it. 
He didn't call Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply without giving them the opportunity to minister. He didn't call Abraham to follow him without giving them the ability to follow him. He didn't call Jonah to go to Nineveh and share the good news of the gospel with them without them being able to respond and hear the good news. He didn't call the early church to obey him with the great commission if he wasn't gonna fulfill them with the power and the ability and the strength to do it. If God has called you to share, he will very abundantly provide a way for you to make it happen. So share is number one. Number two, second thing is this. It is salvation. Not only are they need to hear about Jesus, but they need to believe in Jesus. We just talked about that a moment ago, a salvation story. You're calling them to follow Jesus. And then after they get saved, the moment where they decide to trust Jesus, this is a big church word. We're gonna make it real normalized here. You step into the camp where you start walking through sanctification. Say it with me, sanctification. All right, there you did it, you got it. Sanctification means this. It's the process of becoming more and more a reflection of Jesus. It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And this is the sense. If Jesus was loving, was joyful, was patient, was kind, was good, was faithful, gentle, and self-control, then my journey as a Christian is each day trying to grow more loving, more joyful, more patient, more faithful, more kind. That's the journey of following Jesus. It's not easy, is it? Look at me. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Uh, leaders in the room, is it easy? No, it's not easy. But I'm telling you right now, is it worth it? Every single day, because who I am today is way different than who I was when I first got saved. Listen, when you got saved, guys, you started the journey of following Jesus. And I'm sure sometime on the road, you guys were in a sprint. You were rolling, you were reading your Bible, you were praying, you were going to church. You weren't even getting snappy with your parents like you was doing your thing. And then somewhere along Christmas break, you started getting a little out of your routine and you started struggling a little bit and you started falling backwards a little bit and getting in trouble and you got grounded from Xbox and it's just all these things, right? But then here's the deal. You get back in it and you keep chasing the Lord and he's gonna grow you and shape you and continue to make you an image bearer that reflects God's character. Isn't that what you want to be a part of? Well, here's what you're doing. If you're extending God's kingdom, you are sharing the gospel, you're praying those people get saved, and when they get saved, they are growing in their sanctification to look more and more like Jesus Christ as an image bearer of the Most High King. In creation, we see it so clearly God has called us to reflect his character and he has called us to extend his kingdom. God has called us to reflect his character and to extend his kingdom. We've talked about how you're gonna reflect his character. My second question is this, how are you going to extend God's kingdom this week? How can you extend God's kingdom this week? 